Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Iguana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Tim Jensen with Pepperdine Volleyball. The stories in real time. I can't argue that we're the best team in the world. I'm not retiring, people. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. I dominated. And DJ Rouchy. The baddest DJ in the land. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> Jeremy, I heard a ghost of Halloween's past in there. I know, right? Tim Jensen, Pepperdine Volleyball? Yeah, I don't think that's correct anymore. Actually, we need to put out a, an APB on Tim Jensen. I'm not sure where he is. Someone asked me that question this past week. Actually, last night when I was in the airport. In the randomness of the world part of the show, we'll talk about that. And uh, and what happened to me yesterday on my way home. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's uh, it's a small place, the the world at large. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, 27th of October. Kevin Barnett and you here, DJ Jeremy Rouché, who... He's got two sneakers on this week. He's no. out of the boot. He's back into a pair of shoes. Yes. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Jeremy. Thank you. We've got a show planned for you today. We're going to have a lot of fun. We'll have our College of Volleyball Weekly with Brandon Rosenthal and Vinny Lopes. Lots to talk about because we're in the middle of the season here, and there were some interesting goings-on this week as far as victories by teams and streaks that are continuing and streaks that were ended. Mm-hmm. We will hope to have Eric Sullivan of Texas Assistant coach, longtime friend of the program, former national team athlete, uh, two-time Olympian. We will try and have him on. He's trying to effort out of part of his day, his busy day, down there at Texas to talk to us. And Tim Kelly of Bring It Promotions. We've had him on here several times before. He is currently touring with a Japanese, or pardon me, Chinese uh, national professional team. Oh, cool. Throughout the United States. They're actually playing against Texas tonight, and I believe on Tuesday again. Uh, so they are down there in Texas, but Tim will give us some information on how that's been put together, the reaction to those athletes, and some other stuff that he's discovered as they've been touring the United States playing matches with this foreign squad. Cool. Should be interesting. Been efforting on some other, other levels, too, for other guests uh, for this week and for future. We will see how it plays out. If some of them work out, they're going to be really special. Yeah, they're going to be good. Yeah. I think it's going to work out for next week. Interesting. It's going to work out, but so I, I you'll have be, to stay tuned. Can't be sick next week is what you're saying? You'll have to stay tuned to our Facebook page Sweet. and see. I'm not sure we'll get people in studio, but we'll at least get them on the phone. Yeah. Somebody that you want to hear from. Uh, Jeremy, I discovered this week that teaching 10-year-olds is just like teaching professionals. <laughs> it's the same. Same attention span. Same mistakes. Oh, okay. So if anyone, as I did, I was I was traveling home from Pullman yesterday. If anyone watched the Eagle game, Eagles versus the Cardinals, I'm a huge Eagle fan. I did a 10 a.m. match down uh, down. Sorry, Eric Sullivan texted me right now, rearranging the times. I did a 10 a.m. match match down there in Pullman, Utah, 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 Johnny, Utah. Lost 3-0 to Washington State. Washington State takes home their first conference victory of the year. So congratulations to the Cougars. I then drive the hour and a half back from to Spokane, where I'm going to fly out. And I have some extra time. So I find myself a sushi and sports bar. What could be better than that? 
Where were you? Spokane, Washington. Okay. Sushi and sports bar. Yeah. And I thought you're close to the water. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you're close enough. It's a just yeah, a flight okay. from yeah, Seattle. Yeah, they fly fishing. Yeah. No worries about the sushi. No, no. I'm not. I'm not in Topeka, Kansas. Correct. Sushi. That's, yeah, yeah. That's a mistake. Yep. You got to go with the beef there. Go with the ribs. Mm-hmm. But I'm there and find this bar, fantastic place, enjoying the Eagle game, enjoying a rainbow roll. <laughs> not a California roll? Uh, I had one of those, too. Oh, okay. But the rainbow roll was most excellent. And I'm watching the Eagles play. Now, those that watched the game, those that didn't, here's what happened. The Eagles are leading with about two minutes remaining. Mm-hmm. And the Cardinals, who are very good this year, both teams 5-1, and one, are about 60 yards, 70 yards? Uh, maybe it was 50-plus, 50, 50 yards from the end zone. Yep. Third and 15 mm-hmm. or so. What do you do? What what kind of defense are you playing here, Jeremy? You're not even a football guy. What kind of defense are you playing? You were playing uh, zone and or prevent it, defense. It starts with a P, yes. Prevent defense. Prevent defense. <laughs> I watched my beloved Eagles have a wide receiver blow past the safety and the cornerback. Guy catches it 54 yards later, scores with a minute 12 remaining. Correct. I am aghast. I am appalled. I'm crying in my rainbow roll. I'll say, did you throw it like you would have done your, <laughs> like you your Smoothie King? We'll get the Smoothie King in a second. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Cannot wait. Hold on. <laughs> let, me, let me make a note of that so I don't forget to get back to Smoothie King. Yeah. Goodness sakes. Sheesh. <laughs> I watched that happen, and it is exactly what happened the week before with my flag football team. We are leading with a minute and 30 seconds to go. Mm-hmm. 8-7. The other team has 60 yards to go to the end zone. 10 years old. Running clock. Applicably, because I wasn't there out at Monster Energy Cup. Yeah, drink. I watched the video of it, though. Our defensive coach has all of our players within seven yards of the ball. Ooh. What? Really? And you tell the kids, don't let anybody get behind you. Kid runs right by him, catches the ball, goes all the way in the end zone with a minute 12 remaining identical. And you know this is the same thing volleyball coaches face. They're coaching club, and they're trying to get kids to do things that even on the national team, these athletes somehow have a problem executing. Is there a prevent defense in volleyball? No. Don't let them get behind you? But it's the same idea. I got you. It's not, you're teaching 10-year-olds, and you're going, what are you, a bunch of 10-year-olds? Like, why can't you do this? And they are 10-year-olds. Yeah, and then, yeah. You, then you realize, you watch these other games. You watch a high school, a collegiate, or a professional level, volleyball game, football game, basketball game, whatever, same and thing. you see the same mistakes get made. You go, really? You're no better than a 10-year-old? It's mm-hmm. like the old Bill Cosby show. Are yeah. you smarter than a fifth grader, right? Yeah. The answer is no. Yeah. Ridiculous. So I feel for all you coaches out there at whatever level you're coaching at, from professional on down to your bare bones club volleyball. Your team is not better than 10-year-olds. <laughs> you, you are struggling with the same issues no matter the level. So I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for your frustration. Was it a long flight for you back home because your Eagles had lost and you were all upset? Even though you were sufficiently, you had sufficiently dined on sushi at a sports oh, bar? Oh, that made the flight so much better. I bet. It's a long trip to get to Pullman. I left. Because you fly into what? You have to fly into Spokane unless you fly in early or there's only two flights a day yeah. out of Pullman. And if they don't work for your schedule, you got to go to Spokane. Yeah. 
And Spokane's an hour and a half drive, no traffic north, through nothing, like darkness. I had a Jeep Wrangler. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, a full-on Jeep. Yeah. Was it Wrangler? Is that, that the SUV? Anyway, with I had a full-on Jeep. The, like with the top Actual coming off? Actual Jeep, yeah. Wrangler. The top would come off. Yeah, yeah, Wrangler. Didn't know they used those as rental cars. Nor did I, so that's why I took it. So I have this Jeep. It kind of rides like a Jeep, like a bucket of bolts. Correct. It's very upright. Don't go around a corner fast. Do like not. You, like you would in a Subaru. Correct. You will find yourself using the side of the Jeep as four wheels. Yes. Grabbing onto the, oh, I don't want to die bar. Yes, the the roll cage. Yes. So it did have good music. And here was my travel schedule. I left at 745 from L.A. in the evening. I was coaching flag football. I coached the first half and then the first series. I jump on the flight, 745, land in Seattle mm-hmm. at about 1030. Mm-hmm. Get out of the flight, the plane, and in the terminal, there is a Russian woman, or at least Euro- Eastern European for sure, based mm-hmm. on the accent, having what appeared to be a verbal altercation with a man who was probably six feet tall, about four and a half feet wide. Uh, he must be 350 plus. And he's yelling about, don't be cursing in front of my children. You disrespected my family. He wants to fight this Russian girl. Like, what is, what is happening in front of them? Exactly. Okay. What are those idiot things? Mm-hmm. So that idiot's doing that. I'm going, really? What has happened? Where have I landed? I'm tired. What, what are you doing? So that, that happens. I walk away from that. That was one of two incidents on the weekend that were just bizarre. I walk across the terminal, get on my flight to Spokane. Yeah. Land in Spokane midnight. Mm-hmm. Oh, dark, dark. Oh, dark zero. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dark, dark. Oh, dark, dark. Get in my Jeep. Depart about 1230, maybe a little before. I arrive at the Best Western in Moscow, Idaho, next door to Pullman, Washington. Lovely. Check in at... 1.41 a.m. <laughs> Sleep from 2 until 8. Go and do the match. Good times. Yeah. Do the match. Get my partner, Al Skates, out to the airport. Return his rental car to the airport in Pullman. Mm-hmm. Drive Mr. Skates back to Spokane. Then find said sushi bar. Now. And then return home. On my way to find said sushi bar occurs the second strange incident. I pull into what appears to be a normal 7-Eleven, but it's not in a good neighborhood. There are some homeless folks wandering around, charging phones. Not sure they were homeless, but why else would you charge your phone? Uh, Yeah, I don't know why you're charging your phone at the 7-Eleven outside in the cold. But I go in, and I ask if they have a restroom. Can I use the bathroom? And they say, it's out of order. Mind you, there's like four or five employees in the place. Like, no, it's not out of order. You just don't want to share it because it's a bad neighborhood. Correct. Say that instead, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. I walk back out to pump my gas. There's some dude with a cherry red lowered S10, Chevy S10, that apparently the folks next to him in their Hyundai, whatever, little tiny sporty Hyundai, have hit the door onto the door of the cherry truck. Yep. And the dude is very upset. Man, you hit my stuff. He's yelling in the window. These folks have their, their place buttoned up and yeah, locked. They're scared. Yelling in the window. Something gets said. He's finally like, I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to hit you. Come out here. Look at this. Guy comes out. 
And this other dude is like I'm all not, up on him. I'm not going to hit you. All that really, up makes, on me, him, that really makes me want to get out of the car, by the way. Now, I'm only hearing bits and pieces of the conversation. And a lot of the yelling involves, you better go to an ATM and get me money right now. Wow. And looking at the side of the car. And, then, and man, that's Cherry Flake. That's, that's, that's expensive shit right there. I'm like, oh, my God. Cherry Flake. I'm like, really? I just want to say to the dude who got out of his car and is now dealing with this barrage, you are being defrauded right now. He's like, you better go to the ATM and empty your ATM for me. I need like 400 bucks or whatever. You are being defrauded right now yeah. by this individual. Negative. <laughs> we, can so, go, we can go the insurance around if that's how you'd like to go. Instead, I go and get in my car and find the sushi sports bar. That's get the Eagle game tuned in. It's like a highly entertaining weekend, Kevin. Good Lord. Settle down out there, people. Yeah, apparently. Settle the F down. Where are you going this week? I'm going to Eugene, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Nice. Going to see Stanford taking on Oregon, which should be good. Assuming Stanford beats OSU on Friday, this will be the Sunday 11 a.m. match. Assuming OSU goes down to Stanford, that would mean that Stanford would come in at 21 and 0. Wow! To the Oregon match. We'll detail some of this stuff in College of All the Weekly coming up. But Stanford 20 and 0, Washington 21 and 0, Florida State 21 and 0. You might notice if you really paid attention. There's only three undefeateds now. Oh, somebody lost this past weekend. I know the answer to that. By the way, I'm sitting on my plane departing on Saturday night, and when you're traveling, there's some bad smells. There are some smells maybe you can't figure out where they're coming from. Maybe you can't probably don't want to know where they're coming from. Maybe you can't figure out what they are. Correct. You can't place them. Yep. I'm sitting on the flight for some time, and there's a very strange smell coming from behind me. I'm in row five. I'm not back by the bathrooms. Correct. Yet, a very acrid chemical smell. Now, either someone ate and was breathing heavily or bathed in urinal cakes or someone needs to change the soap they're using because I finally placed it. It smelled like the disinfected urinal in the sixth row right behind me. Somebody was wearing something. Maybe they got sprayed on. They shouldn't have been. Maybe they walked by the cleaner in the way to the bathroom and they got sprayed on. (laughs) Maybe they stepped on a urinal cake and now they have it stuck to the bottom of their shoe. Drive-by spraying. (laughs) You have a physical tomorrow, Kevin. Thank you. To the uh, pop-up that popped up on the computer that I'm using. I do. Yeah. 10.15 a.m. Hope everything's okay. At Dr. Borg's. Yep. I got an ear issue. I got What's wrong with you? Tell you another gross story. No. I have issues with my left ear. I typically wear an IFB in that ear, which is in which is the ear. Is it your own IFB? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have custom. One. I have custom ones okay. made. Yeah. Okay. So I, I wear that in my left ear typically, and I, so I wonder if that's why I'm having issues with my left ear. But I, for my a while, my left ear it felt like it had water in it. I could not yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. I could not get rid of that sensation. I'm going, geez, what? You're outside jumping up and down with your head to the side like you're just yeah, and pulling on it and sticking Q-tips in there and man, it's ridiculous for like three days. It'll drive you nuts. Probably made it worse. So finally, I stick a Q-tip way up in there, like where they say not to, <laughs> and I pull out this little flake of oh, earwax, no. and that made it better. Well, a few weeks go by and it's still giving me issues, kind of off and on. So I go to the doctor a while back and I have him check it out. He immediately. This is just like going to the dentist, right? He what? Me- what are you not supposed to do with your teeth? What shouldn't you hit your teeth with? A metal instrument, right? 
So he shoves a metal instrument in your ear. It's the first thing they do when you go to the dentist is they hit you with a metal instrument, yeah. right? The first thing he goes, he looks in my ear, he goes, oh, and he leaves the room. I'm like, where? What? Yo, what does that mean? That's not good. Yeah. Are you in quarantine now? He goes out and gets a metal hook. Oh, no. Sticks it in my ear. No. And pulls out something that is about two kernels of corn large. In your ear? Yeah. And I, I had the same reaction. I'm like, just so you know, we're, lo- we're losing listeners left and right right now. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's, that was, what? That was inside of me and you pulled it out? And if my ear was like, feel immediately better. my ear felt better. Yeah. He goes back in and gets some other junk. Well, you're also shoving it further in with the Q-tip probably. Well, right. But there's no other way to, like, I have no, you go to I'm the not doc- sticking a metal implement there. You go to the doctor. So, so I talked to him about it. I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's huge. He goes, no, no, that's nothing. What? He says, look at the oh, tip no. of your finger, like from the first knuckle no. up. No. He says, I pull things no. like that out of people's ears. How? Routinely. How, How is that possible? I I don't know. What uh, you'd really have to have had some issues and not have gone to the doctor if you had that much earwax. Did he tell you why you had two kernels of corn in your ear? Because he said it just gets stuck and you can't get it out. So now I have this this stuff I bought cuz I I'm still having problems with it. This Debrox stuff and you put it in there and you got to like rinse your ear yeah. out and stuff. That still doesn't that doesn't do it. That doesn't is not good enough. So you're going back tomorrow. Well, I have a physical. I'm going to talk to him about it, but Anyway, there, there's my, my health share. Oh, my, but I think it's my because... My ankle doesn't feel as bad anymore because no one's pulling out weird objects out of it. I think it's because I have all that reverberation going on in that ear all the time. Could be. But I don't know, I'm going to ask him about that. But, man, it's just weird stuff. Don't... I don't like old age stuff where you have, like, hair growing out of your ears and you have... You've seen old men. Big yeah, ears. I say, you're not going to have that problem because you have no facial hair. Well, I have anyways. no hair. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's just not... Yeah. <laughs> gross. It's totally gross. So there. I, I'm not sure that's entertaining, but this is the non-volleyball part of the show. So. Awesome. Here's the randomness of the world yesterday. Okay. I am in Spokane after my sushi feast, Spokane. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the airport, huge airport. <laughs> it's like two of my houses stuck together as the entire airport in Spokane. But I, uh, I walk into the terminal and kind of look, oh, it's Pepperdine Women's soccer mm-hmm. look at that mm-hmm. walking along and i see a guy I'm like wait that's the same coach i know that tim yeah hey so i sit down and talk to tim and i'm sitting there chatting it up with tim about this and that he he says yeah i have my my new assistant coach this hire here this guy max oh hey max yeah this night he says yeah max is married to a, a former uh volleyball player volleyball coach says uh do you know a, a noel hagenberger I'm like of course i do i went to junior college with noel hagenberger yeah I've talked to Noelle. Mm-hmm. I go, I know who you are. Yeah. I She's talked about her husband several times. We're supposed to meet up in London for try, the Olympic Games. Try to give her a high fiver. She wasn't there. No, oh, okay. Just him. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so anyway, that's first of all, Pepperdine Soccer is there. They just played against Gonzaga. Secondly, they have with them a man who is married to a woman that I went to junior college with. Yeah, figure that out. Yeah. In the Spokane airport. Mm-hmm. Everybody's having sushi. Yeah, just at Spokane. That's the randomness of the world for you right there. That's how small these sporting worlds are. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you can run into people anywhere. I remember getting uh, cash at the ATM on Pier Avenue many years ago now, probably 10 years ago. Some guy in front of me is getting cash, turns around, and goes, wait, puts his hand up. As I'm slapping five with this large gentleman, I'm trying to figure out and place it. I'm going through my head, and it hits me after I give him a five. I'm like, that's Lee Grand. Nice. <laughs> 
Nice. Now, not so odd to run into Lee LeGrand there. Yeah, correct. Right? But I have also run into Lee LeGrand in the terminal in Miami. That's funny. Coming back from my honeymoon. What's up, Lee LeGrand? Waves. <laughs> Waves. <laughs> Waves. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. I had no uh, random acts this weekend for me. No? No. Nothing cool to report. I have a new ride. Oh! Yeah. Oh! I took about five hours. Yeah. Breaking news. Yeah, no no Uber today. I'm sure they're really. I'm sure they're probably putting on an APB on me right now. So are we racing later, or we could. Yeah. What'd you go with? Yeah. Yep. The Sorrento. So look, I had. You know a, how to say it now, Sorrento. Sorrento. I had a conversation with Blake Griffin. Oh. He's like, look, I'm sponsored by Kia. Oh. I really think you should test drive this. You Sorrento. got a guy. I really think you should test drive the Sorrento. Is this true? So I went and <laughs> test drove the Sorrento. Okay. And then I have one. So athlete endorsements do translate into sales. Well, when he's my athlete. So they just got back, based on the profit they made on that particular vehicle, to the corporation of Kia. Yeah. They basically just earned back uh, $2,000 on their 200 on their half five a million, million dollar yeah, half a million dollar endorsement <laughs> for Blake Griffin. Yeah. Although, tell Matt Gar- uh, Matt Gardhoff did uh, send a... Um, a recommendation over the weekend via Twitter. Uh-huh. The new BMW, I think it's their electric car. Yeah. has suicide doors. It does have yeah. suicide doors. It I've not, seen them. They're quirky. It would not fit all my equipment, though. Oh, it wouldn't. Yeah. That's the only reason why I had to go with an SUV-type crossover. So if I didn't, I wouldn't. I would have got some type of vehicle, smaller car. Uh-huh. But it's got to be able to fit the, the DJ gear so from you, time to time. you actually went to, for car advice, for shopping advice, you went to a professional basketball player. <laughs> yes, I called Blake Griffin up. You have his number? <laughs> wow, this is this is story is getting better and better as Big we time. go here. He actually came over to the house. Oh. Let, let me test drive his Kia Sorento. Because that's what he drives. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's lowered with rims, yep. but... Then there was a cardboard cutout of him at the dealership, so I took a photo. <laughs> Thanks, Blake. <laughs> I love it. Yep. I love it. Well, congratulations on the Sorrento. Yeah. This doesn't feel like my car yet. No? I mean, I've had it for two days. Okay. I don't know how long it'll take. Uh, when are you going to start driving for Uber? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> make some make some of that money back. Earn a little cash on the side. Yes, mm-hmm. BMW i3. Yes, Matt Gardhoff. Yep. I like that our listeners care about what I'm driving. I was getting some stuff on Twitter and uh, Facebook with some suggestions. I like that people are posting certain weddings that I should go to. People that are holding yeah, hands was, in front of motocross that was, bikes. That was awesome. Thank you, Spike Town. And also the Smoothie King story. I now know the story of the guy from Smoothie King who apparently started franchises with the franchise license yep. in South Korea, mm-hmm. grew it to more than 100 locations in South Korea, and then bought the parent company. That's a cool story. But then, I didn't read all the articles. I was kind of skimming over it. I saw some things where he was excited like to feed his family. Smoothie King? Like, he was, it was kind of referring to it as being like healthy. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of when I, I have to read it again. But I was like, do you know that is not correct? You're feeding them sugar. They claim to have fixed some of their menu. They mentioned a couple of things in there that I've never seen on a Smoothie King menu. Is it because they are uh, listening to the show and hearing us crush them? They're like, oh, we need to change our uh, <laughs> change our menu. Yes. Yeah, I, I, no. A Smoothie King, 
It's not cool. When you grind up gummy worms and some frozen yogurt and then throw an apple in there, that is not a fruit no. smoothie. If you have a pizza and an apple, they don't cancel each other out. <laughs> if, you have the pizza, if I put apple on a pizza, that is not healthy. Especially if you eat the pizza before the apple because then your body's trying to digest the pizza. It's never, ever going to get the good stuff from the apple, so the apple, you might as well not even eat it. The apple might just pass through chewed up pieces, just gets, gets like pepperoni wraps around it, and it just makes yeah. it. No. Yeah, Smoothie King. Nope. No. There's a Smoothie King in Oklahoma City that the NetLive can uh, venture to and have a conversation with them. <laughs> can, can I do Fire in the Hole? Yes. Smoothie King? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going Fire in the Hole. And then I'm diving under a table. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going through the drive-thru for Fire in the oh, Hole. Oh, sweet. Yeah. You remember how that works? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fire in the Hole. You get your drink, you yell Fire in the Hole, and you whip it back <laughs> in the drive-thru. Take that. Smoothie King. I don't know that I've seen a drive-thru Smoothie King. Okay, but I've only ever seen a Smoothie King in a mall, <laughs> so I don't know if they have standalones. It's going to be hard to get away in the mall. There's a lot of cameras. Depends on what kind of rental car we get. And I'm really tall. <laughs> if we get a Mini, I bet we could fit in the mall. <laughs> what is that, the Italian job? Where is that? Where yeah. they're driving yep. Mini Coopers through there? My uh, my broadcast partner for Supercross, Jim Holly, did a ton of stunt work on the Italian job. Cool. So there's bringing it full, full circle. circle. Yeah. It's really a volleyball. Sh- it's really a motocross show disguised as a volleyball show. I'm about to fix that. I'm about to get the, the volleyball out of the entire show. Sweet. That's the point. That's what I'm going to do. I was watching. Uh, I was on replay last night. I think ESPN three or ESPNU or whatever the um, Nebraska Wisconsin match. Women. Yes. Three six thousand people. Yes. Big time. Big time. Wisconsin wins. Yeah. Three zero, I believe. There were a couple non-calls that probably should have gone Nebraska's way. And here's a question I have for you, Kevin. Okay. So on the beach, block counts as a touch. Right. Stupid rule, but whatever. Indoor does not. Correct. Fine. I have no issues with that. What? So then on the beach, if it's a driven ball, you can open a hand, dig it. They're not going to call a double on you because it's a driven ball. Indoor, if it's a driven ball, you can do the same thing too. But what if it touches the block first? Still a driven ball. Still a first contact. Because the block touch is effectively a zero contact, so the same first contact rules apply. Okay. Even if it, like... So it's a driven ball with... I mean, this... If it's popped straight up and you mangle the hell out of it, they're going to call it. They'll call it. But you you still pretty well have to destroy it. This one was pretty... pretty, The girl was basically protecting her face. Well, it's still humming then. Ish. It's, you're watching women's volleyball. And you said the girl was protecting her face getting back to last week. Nicely, it's nicely college. Done. It's women's. Women's college? Yeah. I apologize, PJ. <laughs> First of all, if she's 18, <laughs> she's a girl. Was she a freshman? True freshman? I, I, actually, if that, she's redshirt freshman, Actually, that, no. I, that I don't know. <laughs> Anything from redshirt freshman? Whatever up. she is, she's in college. <laughs> I'm a grown-ass man. She's a girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Pull the man card. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's still a driven ball. Okay. But it's kind of a speed-based thing, and there's some judgment to it. Yeah. I don't... The beach really has some gray area there for the, quote, driven ball. What is a driven... So few balls are driven anyway on the beach. It's a downward trajectory. Okay. Some people can't even generate a downward trajectory, so how could you ever play it overhand on the first contact from some individuals? It has to be... uh, If it's coming at you straight down, then it has trajectory on it. Like, if it goes up and then down, then you cannot chowder it. It has to be a driven ball. 
if I can drive a ball up and down. No. I guess not. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't like that on the beach, honestly. You'll see on the beach, though, sometimes where, like, it's a driven ball, but it's obviously the person didn't tee off on it. And then they'll, you know, kind of double contact, but it's still technically a driven ball because it's going at a downward angle. Um, and uh, I'm I'm fine with that rule. Keep an eye on that. See if uh, see if we end up with Sullivan. But yeah, um, yeah, I I don't like it because I think it penalizes you for making a touch, and that I don't care for. If you make a touch and that touch makes it so your player can play the ball, quality, or even get to it at all on what would otherwise probably been a, a straight down kill. Yeah, you should get the benefit of that because so rarely. Yeah, it touches the block, the next player touches it, then it's got to be hit. Rarely is that an actual attack. It's pretty much a free ball back on the beach. Yeah. Well, that's they had kind of toyed with that a little bit. Remember, the FIVB was going to change that last year, um, as in making the block not the first contact. Right, you get three contacts, Correct. so it's going to a block. But it kind of goes away from if you want the action to keep going, because what's going to happen is... If the block doesn't count as a touch, then you're going to get a bump set spike and they're going to put it away. If the FIVB wants a longer, More often longer rallies, right. the free ball or not as great of an attack and transition is going to continue the rally. Well, in that case, let's only allow two touches and no hitting above the level of the net. Then you can uh, really have some rallies. Kevin. That would be awesome. There's more action. Watching indoor, there's more action because there's more people going on and they're hitting the ball harder because they're on a hard surface. So on the beach... To get the action going longer, I'm fine with that rule. I'd hit the ball just as hard on the beach. Not saying Good you, news for you. I'm not saying you wouldn't. <laughs> but there's not as much action because there's not as many people on no, the beach. It's true. It's true. That's it, it, and gets back to what I think is true. Hands down, most entertaining volleyball game. All kinds of volleyball, all scores, most entertaining volleyball game. A well played, high level six man or six woman beach volleyball match. I actually think the men are better because I think it takes enough out of their game to make it really good, really watchable. That six-man, Charlie Stakely six-man, in its heyday, the Sunday morning when it was down to the you know six teams or yeah, whatever in the, in, in the divisions, yeah. that was fantastic to watch. There are crazy digs, crazy plays. It is fun to be a part of that. I, I agree with that aspect. So we should – and it has the atmosphere beach. The complexity of indoor slowed down just enough. You still have the guys being dynamic, but the ball is slowed down enough that there is crazy yeah. defense happening, and it is fun to watch. That's, the, in my mind, the best iteration, most entertaining, best destination volleyball. Interesting. Best of both worlds. Okay. Because I don't want to sit in a gym any more than anyone else does and be pale white like I am. <laughs> and I don't want to watch two people. You were in Hawaii for 10 days or two weeks or whatever it was, and you're still pale white when you came back. A jumbo to the corner is not entertaining. Yes, it is. Because no. then you yell, jumbo. Not, not the 15th time it happens in one match. No. Defend, Sorry. Defend it better then. Another cut shot. Watch watch him walk back with his head at the ground. Yeah. Very exciting. Sorry you're not good at beach. Thanks, Todd. All right. Let's bring him in. I don't know. Maybe Do we have any sad music? <laughs> I'm not playing sad music. <laughs> <laughs> this is an old friend of the show, former teammate of mine, two-time Olympic veteran. Went on to coach at Colorado, coach at Nebraska, and now has been at Texas for a while. He's found a home there working with Jared Elliott and the fantastic Texas Longhorns, winners of a national championship just recently. 
Also, owners of several win streaks until this weekend as they went down to Oklahoma 3-0 despite winning several statistical categories. Welcome back to the show once again, Eric Sullivan. Sully! What's happening, Barney? Hey, man, thanks for taking some time. I know you guys are busy. You're going to play uh, the Chinese tonight. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, first uh, first question, why do you guys suck so bad? I mean, you lost. Come on. <laughs> So, first, I, I just want to know, I only get the text when we lose now? <laughs> that's, that's messed up, Kevin. When, when you make goes? winning so routine, you know, that, that I just gloss over it. It doesn't even register on the radar. Another win for Texas. Well, of course. You know, it's not, not even noteworthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, we've got some work to do. I think like everybody else in the country, uh, you know, we're – I think there's enough parity around Division One volleyball right now that if you don't play well and other teams play well, you're going to have have issues. And you know, we obviously had some issues Saturday night. Well, you guys have a three-two win over Nebraska, three-two win over West Virginia University, eleven-three-zero sweeps. Really nice numbers. I mean, just you know, get rid of the whole hilarity of losing one time. Uh, you guys had won thirty-four straight at Gregory, your home gym, thirty-four straight regular season matches, and forty-four Big Twelve matches in a row. I mean, really, an, an incredible run. Is it? And you, I've heard it said by a lot of coaches lately that the world is too good for these streaks to really keep rolling. It can't be any surprise to you guys that somebody beat you. Yeah, you know, it's like I said with the parity nowadays. There's so many good volleyball players. Um, you know, with the club system as developed as it is, it's just it's amazing how many teams you see where you watch them play and warm up and. And you look at them, you know, on a video standpoint, and they just got uh, – there's just a lot of good volleyball players out there. You know, it wasn't like before where there were, you know, top three or five teams and then it really dropped off to maybe the top 25 and then there was another big drop after that. I mean, that's – I just think there's a lot of good teams. And, yeah, you've got to be on your game all the time, and especially when you're at a perennial program where you typically are good. You know, most teams come into your gym with – you know, they've kind of got that match circled on their schedule, and they're going to give you everything they got every night. Is this good for your team to have a loss, to kind of be rid of that the streaks and be rid of the undefeated label? Um, you know, interestingly enough, I don't think, you know, we never really talked about the undefeated label. Uh, it was never, I don't think, in our primary conscious. I don't, I don't think that was a big part of anything. I, you know, I think – Regardless of winning and losing, it's great when a team kind of exposes some things and kind of shows you some areas that you maybe need to focus and spend a little more time on in the gym. And so I think any time that can happen, not in the NCAA tournament, it's beneficial for your program. You know, for sure you don't want to lose. And I I don't know, I'm not a big fan of thinking like, uh, you know, you only learn things when you lose. But when, yeah, some deficiencies show up, I don't know. It gives us some things to kind of rally around. It gives us maybe a little chance to refocus. You know, unfortunately, we're <laughs> unfortunately maybe fortunately we're getting right back into it, and we're playing another match tonight and tomorrow night. So, um, you know, it'd be good to put our jerseys back on and go out and play against a really good team. So, um, but also doesn't have the implications of showing up on your record. So, I don't know. We'll see how we feel after tonight and. You know, we know that we've got some things to work on, and it's a nice time. we got some time to, to iron some of those things out. Yeah, what did it look like in the locker room in the discussion with the staff 
after that loss. I mean, this this is a 3-0 loss, but it, it's one that was extremely close. Eight aces by Oklahoma, really the only substantial statistical advantage for Oklahoma. You guys actually won kill percentage and kills. And blocks. Um, they outdug us, you know, by a few or, I don't know, eight to ten. Yeah, right. you know, it's part of part of the match is frustrating because we had our opportunities and – you know, if you start counting up all the unforced errors with service errors and reception errors, um, yeah, you know, we let some things get away from us. Um, but, again, more importantly, you know, how did we handle the stress of being in a tight game and all of those things? Like I said, they tend to expose some things about your team. And, you know, that those pressures a lot of times, you know, don't show up until the end of the year when it you don't really get the chance to get back in the gym and work on some stuff. So, again, yeah, it's – stinks it's not a great feeling it was a you know not a great sunday for i think most of us yeah but again that's one of the cool things about sports is we get back into the gym and we get to work and figure some of those things out and hopefully get better there's no question you guys have been having an exceptional season and haley eckerman continues to be awesome averaging over three and a half kills per set and cat bell now over three kills per set as well uh you guys have, have had a great year why in the middle of the year are you guys going to play this this Chinese professional team, and what are you hoping to get out of these next couple matches? Yeah, you know, for us, um, our schedule has been a little bit kind of wonky this year. You know, we've played, we've had these stretches where we'll play four or five matches in a seven or eight day period, and then we'll be off for ten days. And um, you know, this isn't necessarily one of those, but we do have a bye this week, and so you know, when TK kind of proposed all this stuff, it fit into what we were doing. And, you know, for us, we want to try to play against teams that are going to expose some of those weaknesses. And we thought that this team would be that. Um, You know, it's always nice, again, I think, to play against somebody that's going to stress you like that. But, again, that doesn't have the ramifications with your RPI or your, your, uh, your overall record. And, you know, it's also an opportunity midseason to maybe play some players that haven't been playing as much and try some things that we've been thinking about, but, you know, aren't able to implement as easily when, uh, you know, when you're trying to win conference and obviously, you know, deal with your RPI and worry about the NCAA tournament. So it just, it worked out well. Um, you know, I went and watched them train a little bit. I've saw, seen some video. They're going to be good. They're, uh, you, you know, you know how the Asians tend to play. Um, they're going to definitely stress, stress us in some different ways. Yeah. Lots of defense for sure. And, how much do you, does your team know? You guys have had several athletes that have gone on to national team success and, and international play. How much do, do your athletes really know about what's out there in the international world, and, and and do they know what a unique experience it is to get to play a professional team in the United States? Yeah, you know, a lot of our kids do have that experience, um, whether they're dabbling with the national team towards the end of their careers here or, you know, most of them have played with the USA program in the development process, you know, when they're juniors and playing on the youth and uh, junior teams. So they, you know, most of them have some experience. They they know what type of volleyball uh, we're probably going to see this evening. So, yeah, you know, that part of it's cool. But, again, you don't get to see it. You know, the other cool thing about it is I think the Asian community, the Chinese community here in Austin is kind of, um, you know, they, they've shown a bunch of support for this. I think we're going to have a great crowd tonight. Um, I think there's going to be a strong support contingency for for the Chinese team, which is going to be, I think, really cool and a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's a different look. And I think it kind of 
I don't know, it, it it broadens the experience a little bit. And so, again, it's not an easy thing in conference to, to find these opportunities, but this one seemed to work out pretty well. So we're excited about it. Awesome. Well, Sully, good luck in the next couple of nights. You guys are playing that uh, Zhejiang Chinese Club team. It's going to be the 27th and 28th. That's tonight and tomorrow in Austin, Texas. You can also check it out on Longhorn Network if you get that, 7 p.m. Central Time, both nights. Thanks, Sully. Good to talk to you. Good luck the rest of the year, and uh, keep up the good work down there. Hey, I appreciate it. How about a text when we're winning? Yeah. I'll text you after tonight. <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy. All right, we'll see you. Eric Sullivan, fourth-year uh, assistant coach down there at Texas. Uh, good point by Sully there about the crowd. I like that because we've talked about it with the Glendale event, yep. USA versus Brazil. We've talked about the atmosphere of an Olympic Games and this, the opportunity for the Chinese community to come out and support and wave the flags. And then you get the, the Texas team. they got to wave the flags. Oh, yeah. That's a different sort of atmosphere. That's really fun for the kids and for the, the place, really. Uh, the energy that will be there and the excitement for both sides will be awesome. And I teased Sully a little bit about one loss, but well, whatever. He's, Texas, he's very, extremely upset with you, I can tell. Let's be clear. Texas volleyball, pretty awesome. 15-1, and 7-1 and one in conference. Now their streak says lost one. The streak used to say one, one uh, what, 15 and yeah. 134 and so on. But uh, – yeah, Oklahoma coming up with a big win. You know, that was huge uh, for Oklahoma to come up with that victory. And uh, I want to look up their standings here, but it's one of the things that I can't find that easy. i got to look up a separate website. Look at the Big 12 standings. Uh, but, yeah, good stuff from uh, from Eric Sullivan. I will have to. Yeah, maybe give them a text win. when they're doing well, Kevin. Yeah. So I've been in church. It's just so usual, though. No, well, it is. It's just whatever. Still congratulate people, Kevin. Don't sure. be. True. Negative Nancy. It's true. She came to my attention. Mm-hmm. My bad. Moo moo. <laughs> Let's take a short break. We're going to have College Volleyball Weekly. We still have Tim Kelly coming up. We'll learn more about that Chinese team and how that deal came together and the schedule that they have put together. Texas leading, by the way, Oklahoma 6-2, and two, Kansas State 6-2 and two as well. Then Kansas is 4-4. Four and four. So a uh, good battle there. You have to believe K-State is emboldened by that uh, that victory by Oklahoma. Good victory for Oklahoma. That's something else. So Texas is going to face Oklahoma. Let's see when they get them here. 15th of November. There you go. That ought to be good. Put that one on your calendar. That'll be in Norman. Let's take a short break here on the Net Live. We'll be right back. Only the top four teams make it to the championship round. But who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship? Be there up close to take in all the exciting action. Get right back at And the best way to see it is to experience it live. Could be a big momentum shifter. At the 2014 NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship, December 18th and 20th at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Affordable tickets available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today.
Welcome back to the Net Live. Love the Halloween, pre-Halloween mix. Wouldn't make sense next Monday. Make sure you check out 6-8 Clothing Company. We've talked about these guys a lot on the air here. They've been supporting this show, Dress Well, Live Tall, 6-8 Clothing Company. That is the word 6, the number 8, and clothingcompany.com. This is clothing designed by a tall man for a tall man. You don't have to be a genius to figure out how to make a pair of jeans for a taller, larger mammal. Large pockets for large hands. So you don't have to call 911 to get your keys out of your pocket. Also, the zipper. The zipper, a larger tab. This is good stuff that 6-8 Clothing Company is doing. If you put in TNL10, you get 10% off your order. And let them know. Even if you're using one of their other coupon codes, they've been having a, a 50% off clearance. So they've been bringing in some new stuff. Mm-hmm. That's really nice stuff. They're bringing in some flannels that I could have used because I was cold this weekend. I did not take my jacket. I will next two weeks from now when I go up to Pullman once again. But they're bringing out some new stuff. They have some other things on sale. There are some good coupon codes out there if you go visit them on their website. And let them know, even if you use another code, that you're listening to the show, you're shopping with their product and it's making a difference. They're, uh, they're into volleyball in a big way. You'll see them in Volleyball Magazine as well. It's a good marketplace for that company finally bringing some tall felt clothing to the world thinking about you in 6 clothing when I was watching the uh, Badgers on TV yesterday and we talked about putting you in the uh, oh, Badgers suit. Oh, Bucky? Yeah. And I was, Nicole and I were talking about it and I told her that we had brought up that 6 clothing might have to make the mascot costume for you because you may not fit in the normal size costume. I, I read a thing last night in Entrepreneur Magazine about a guy who sells capes for a living. Custom awesome. capes. Is that big business? Wrist bracelets and... I uh, I mask as well, but you can custom customize them to certain schools. He's gotten licenses from certain uh, schools. Yeah. So if you're a fan of the Auburn Tigers, you can get an Auburn cape. Would you rock a cape, Jeremy? As a costume, like or a like UVA a... cape? Just at an event? No. What about a TNL cape? What if we had no. a TNL cape? Here's the thing with capes, Kevin. As a superhero, they can get stuck in things, or people can grab them and pull them, and you have no control over. Strangely, they never do. Allegedly. In real life, they would. What's the point in of real the life cape? If, in real life, if there were superheroes that were flying around, Kevin, they would get their capes caught things. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it'd probably be like when they're doing mundane things, like when Superman's dropping off the kids at school. He steps on his cape. He closes the cape in the Damn door, it. goes to walk away, and gets choked out. Well, I think Superman would just rip off because he's Superman. He's not going to hurt himself. That's a good point. He's, well, yeah, well, how could you get choked by a cape? Or Just saying. Yeah. It's going to cause some issues. Oh, man. Could really get off the rails there. Oh, real! I was real quick. All right. I wonder if Superman gets earwax. I wonder if it's <laughs> super wax. All right. I don't even care about the earwax, or well, I care about that. Gotcha. I, I can't hear that well. Searching for other things here. Listen to a very interesting conference call. We're going to bring up this with our college volleyball people here in just a moment. But I listened to it conference call talking about the selection criteria for the upcoming playoffs for women's volleyball. Very interesting. The NCAA was very adamant that they do not just use RPI, strength of schedule, and opponents as yeah. the determining factor. Talk to most any coach, they will tell you that, yeah, RPI is the singular factor in team selection when it comes down to the last few teams. They say that it's a few different things. The RPI, the rating percentage index, head-to-head competition, 
results versus common opponents, significance, significant wins and losses. Those are the primary criteria. The secondary criteria are late season performances, the last 10 games, eligibility and availability of student athletes. I love how they always refer to it as student athletes. They can't just say players. Location of contest. Location of contest. Yeah, so if you won home or away. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. There's a secondary criteria yeah. against set opponents. But I love got student. They always got to put the student athlete part in there. I mean, it applies to women's volleyball, fortunately for them. But unless you're at UNC, <laughs> <laughs> then they should just dispense with it over at UNC yeah. and just have the professional athletic department forget the rest. Well, isn't the RPI like? Doesn't it weigh heavier? You can be an undefeated if team. If you talk to coaches, if you're not playing anybody. Well, take Texas, for instance. Texas's RPI is not going to be huge because of their conference opponent, the perceived weakness of their conference. So let me uh, let me pull it up here. So the RPI right now, this is actually as of the 20th. It'll come out again today. So this is as of last week. Yeah. Stanford was ranked number one. Florida State number two. Texas three. Yeah. Washington four. Now that was with everybody undefeated there. So Texas was in at, at third in that. Now to find another Big 12 team, you're going to have to go pretty far. Uh, with the Atlantic Coast, Florida State, you find North Carolina at six. Mm-hmm. That's the next ACC team. Then... The Pac-12, Stanford, the next one from the Pac-12 is Washington at four. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Big 12 and Texas. The next Big 12 team is down at 17. Kansas State and Kansas are right next to each other, 17 and 18. Okay. So a little, little bit further down. And so that's going to start to affect. Now, last year we saw it with Missouri. Missouri went undefeated, and they were increasing the rating for everyone else by virtue of their play they were doing their conference many favors. Yeah. And Mizzou, I think that you can really look at uh, their results and know why so many teams got in the tournament out of their conference. Yeah. I think it was a record. Where is it here? I had it in the notes. No, I didn't write it down. It's like eight teams or whatever it was. But that's because they were so good. They had some signature wins, which raises everyone's RPI. Gotcha. So... Well, we'll have these guys talk about it more. I, I don't profess to be an expert on the RPI, uh, but you know the coaches pay close attention. Of course, but some of it, like if it's in your conference, you can't control how you can control who you schedule out of conference. Correct? Yeah, and that's why you see those teams taking chances or not taking chances. If you're a Utah or a Washington State, you need some folks you can have reasonable numbers with but still beat because you know when you go into your conference you're going to get huge RPI credit yeah. but you're going to get beat up pretty bad yeah. as far as your schedule goes and your record. I mean, WSU is 1-9. and nine. Cal is 0-10. Oh Utah is 2... I want to say 2-10 and 10 now. Yeah. How many matches they played? Maybe 2-9. Yeah. Uh, but... 2-7, and 2-8, maybe 2-8. It's downstairs. But, yeah, you, if you're in that conference, your scheduling mantra or your strategy for the early part of the year is much different than, say, Brandon Rosenthal, who's going to go into his conference and not really have any more RPI, high RPI matches in conference. Correct. He's got to get some of that before, and that's why you saw him playing teams like Creighton yeah. before. 
because uh, he needed some of that credit in order to increase it. That said, still probably not going to be high enough to get an at-large. 32 automatic qualifiers, 32 yeah. at-large is available. Well, and that's probably one of those things, too, like if he keeps – for a school like brands, like they, if they get on people's radar enough, like you keep doing, having decent seasons and pl- scheduling tougher out of conference things, and like the committees get a, you could be more in their uh, view per se. Here's the other thing for Brandon that becomes a conundrum, and so the better he does, the more he wants to schedule. Yeah, maybe a little tougher. Maybe some people won't schedule him. Yeah. There's yes, that. Jeremy. Yeah. Because they don't want to take the loss. Correct. And they don't, they want they want a patsy like yeah, the yeah, football yeah. right they yeah. want they want somebody they're going to beat the crap out of and be done with it. We'll have more with Brandon shortly, right? Yeah, nice. and Vinny. Are they? Is, has Vinny started his Kickstarter campaign to go to uh, OKC yet? Or is I don't he know. Already, is he I think he's drive from Nashville to OKC. But he could Uber. <laughs> Should he just call you? Yeah, I'll go get him. Your Sorrento. Yep, has a third row. Don't need the third row, but it does. It's new enough to be an Uber car. You're all set. That's true. Uber X or Uber Uber know. Y? No, it's whatever. Uber X Y. Easy, easy. <laughs> Too many apps on my phone, Kevin. Yeah, yours and mine both. I think I'm gonna get an iPhone six. I keep seeing. I see them. A friend of mine has one. There's Uber Plus. Sorry, I would be an Uber Plus, Kevin. Okay. The SUV size. Um, the Uber, the Uber, the six plus is a small tablet. How do you put that in your pocket? Yeah, I've seen it. I have six eight jeans. Fits right in the pocket, no problem. They're made for the six six plus. Yeah, I'm not six eight like you. Uh huh. Where am I going to put the six plus? Around your neck. Like, like an one of those sweet pouches on my chain, and just yeah. Instead of a clock, like flavor flavor flav. Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be lighter than uh, April Ross's silver medal that I was wearing? That I jumped and it swung up and then slammed me in the chest, and I had a heart palpitation from it. You had a silver medal bruise, a silver medal heart attack. Literally knocked the wind out of me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's heavy duty. Yeah. Don't win in Vegas wearing a silver medal. Okay. Do not pogo without holding on to the silver medal. Copy that. Rules to live by. Write that down. The net live rules yep. to live by. Rules to live by. by Do Jeremy. not pogo unless you are holding on to said silver medal. Because it's large and it'll swing up. And the only place it has to go is right back at you. Let's go from silver to red. Oh. Suggestion this week that a red zone type coverage could be applied to beach volleyball events. Meaning, you would cut. You would be showing a certain match, and then if something was exciting happening in another match going on, like it's twelve, twelve in the third, whatever. Yep. You click over to that, and then that, however, that concludes. Then you go back to the original match you were watching. Correct. Right. Correct. Okay. This is what they do for Red Zone. This is actually the product that I do every Friday night for high school football. Mm-hmm. We do five games at the same time, sometimes six, and throw between each one. You can watch one individually if you wish, or you can watch our channel where we will go between them all Yep. and catch touchdowns, drives, red zone opportunities, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Turnovers, pivotal plays, whatever. For volleyball, is this a viable thing for volleyball? 
I think the biggest difference is you only get a cut to another match is if it is that close in the second for the match to end or in the third. Because in football, you're, you're going to cut to it for scoring stuff, which happens throughout the entire game. You can only cut... Only it would be interesting to cut to other volleyball matches if it's... At uh, the end? Yes. What do you do? Go to it at 6-6 six, six in the second? <laughs> exactly my point about the sport, actually. But that's what I'm saying, though. But that's because you're somebody scoring every single time. And as in football, they're not. And they're scoring the same amount of points every single time. Correct. It's not like you could have a touchdown or a field goal correct. or a safety that or an extra correct. point. Yeah. There's no turnover on downs. No. You're not running back a sky ball. <laughs> what if you could? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> the catch sky it. ball's out. You catch it. Throw yourself a set. <laughs> Run at the net. Toss it up recreation style. On the sky ball, you're allowed to set yourself. <laughs> if you can do it, it counts for two points. I don't think it works because I don't think there's enough, enough, first of all, dead time. Meaning... In football, a team can have the ball to 20, and they're running some plays. They're they're running some running plays, and it's just not thrilling. You know, three yards and a cloud over pellets is not as exciting as the red zone. Correct. So you have moments where you can cut away because presumably nothing's going to happen. You could run the recorder, and then you can go back and say this you know, just happened or whatever. Yeah. In volleyball... You never know when the awesome play is going to happen. The fantastic dig, the it is not dependent upon the game because it is the same. Well, then, so a 10-yard out pass caught for a touchdown in the first quarter is not nearly as exciting as when it happens in the fourth when you're trailing by four. Correct. So then what you would have to do, you would have to film all said matches. Ooh. And if there was an amazing rally, you would cut that piece and then bring it into the match that you're watching and be like, oh, here's what's going on on court three. It's so-and-so tied in game two. Amazing rally. We'll cut back to it if things get more exciting. Back to your regular schedule program. I like that. Here's the problem. I know the infrastructure that goes into our five games. Yeah. Oh, it, would be a, it would be a lot. That's for sure. A lot going on behind the scenes. The infrastructure that it takes to do the NFL red zone is crazy, and that's even with just one guy in well, the studio for like nine hours. They're also making billions of dollars. Well, yeah, but... And but, each one of those games, though, has its own crew. As do ours. Yeah. For high school. Yeah. We're throwing not to, hey, I'm calling this game for you, and I've somehow been watching it. We're throwing it to our announced team. As we as I throw you between games to say, we're leaving St. John Bosco, but let's check back in at Modern Day, where Servite is inside the 20. They trail by for just two minutes to go in the first half. Could they get a little momentum and maybe even the lead heading into halftime? Then yeah, correct. They fade in the announcers out there who have all the info and are talking to you. You would have to have an announce team on every single court. Or yeah, what volleyball entity is prepared to do said thing? Well, or you have yeah, you'd have to have stats people or something there that can tell you whoever's doing the broadcast or doing the live stream what is happening. Well, that's what they get to that package. Here, here's what we have. We have like 15 to 18 people, 15 to 20 actually people. Yeah. I, think. I have to count them all up because we have we have replay guys, we have runners. It's probably 25 now that I think about it, because we have one room that has four, five, six, seven, eight people in it. Yeah. Our room has 
five people in it. We're already at 13. Mm-hmm. Then you have all the outer folks who are involved with the cutting of highlights mm-hmm. and watching of games and, and so on. And so that's a whole other group of people. You're looking at 20 people to do five football games. To do well, AVP volleyball fans. all at once? How many games do you have going at once? There's five, four, six? Four courts. Okay, four courts. So you're looking at about the same. Yes, but the thing is they're all right there. So that's why I'm saying you could have one Barnett and somebody else and then have other people on the other courts watching it flag a play. The person does the – cuts up the that rally. Somehow you get a piece of paper saying here is what the circumstances were for this rally. You're not going to turn that in time. There's a, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot going on. You can record it. What you do is you run the recorder on all of them. We only have the ability actually to record one and broadcast one. Yeah. So if we don't have that particular one in, we might miss a play. Mm-hmm. If we have it in because no, they're getting close on a particular one, we're watching that game as well as the other ones we're in, then let's say a 60-yard touchdown pass happens. Yeah. That happens, we can throw to it as though it has not yet happened. We can go back in time. Well, then that's why, so then if you're not doing just the highlights of like a great rally that was going on in another court, that's when you just jump over when it's 12-12, in the right. third or but you have all that dead time to get to twelve twelve. No, I'm with you. That's why that's that's why we're saying that's what the difference would be and then would it be worth it to do that? Is it interesting enough for the fan who's watching? I always feel like in volleyball it's easier when you're at the event, you're invested in all the players because you see how the tournament's going, like kinda how golf shows whatever tournament for ten ten straight days and you know the guy who's the hundred and thirty fourth ranked golfer in the world because he's on T V too. Um but you know how the whole tournament is going, which now with the live stream, you do get to see more players on the AVP and how their tournament has gone to get to the finals as opposed to just seeing um, the same teams in the finals every week and not knowing anybody else. Because that was the problem when you didn't have the typical teams in the finals and you had some new team. People were like, I don't know who that is. Okay, so that begs the question I've been wondering about here. People that are fans of volleyball, yeah, are they fans of and we're talking beach right now, mm-hmm. of beach volleyball, or are they fans of a particular beach volleyball player more often? Which one? I think they're a fan of beach volleyball, and then comes with that is their, here's their favorite player. I think if you, Okay, so you, you think it's sport first. I do think it's sport first. especially. Okay, that's good because you have to have that. I think for me, beach too. Like I think beach is... Um, it's different. Like obviously different than indoor because you just know the national teams aren't professional teams across the United States. So you're like, yes, I'm a fan of indoor volleyball, so I always watch our men's or women's national team. We're on the beach. You're like, I like beach volleyball. I'm going to go like, yeah, I may like Carrie or I may like Phil and Rosie. I'm going to watch them. But if they're not playing, they're going to stay and watch other matches. You have to have that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping that it wasn't going the other direction where – Folks are just fans of, say, Carrie. No, I mean, I if think... If Carrie's not playing, they're like, ah, I'm out of here. I think the non-volleyball fan might be that way. Like, if they're like, oh, I know who Carrie Walsh is, let me tune in and watch her, and then I don't know who the other players are, maybe they wouldn't watch that. That I'm not... I don't know. But if you're... If you like beach volleyball, you like the sport, as opposed to, I just like said player. Yeah. Yeah. We have one person on. Vinny. 615. Rose. Yeah. All right, Vinny. Call in. Are we going to? Yeah. Why not? What else we got to talk about? The red zone could happen. It's just going to cost a bazillion dollars. It's more money out the door without necessarily a return. 
We'll get back to that. That's that's ripe for more discussion. Right now, we're going to talk about more college volleyball with our College Volleyball Weekly, brought to you by the ABCA and the Net Live, where we recap what happened and look forward to what will be in the world of collegiate volleyball. What an interesting week this was this past week. Let's bring in Brandon Rosenthal and I'm sure Vinny Lopes. He's listening to the show. He's on top of it. Gentlemen, welcome. Afternoon. uh, We had four unbeatens. We now, if you've been listening to the show earlier, know Texas lost to Oklahoma 3-0 in their home gym, ending a series of streaks, including 34 wins in their home gym, 34 straight regular season matches, and four, four straight conference matches there in the Big 12. We have three undefeateds remaining. I want to start with this question, Vinny. Stanford 20-0, Washington 21-0, both playing in the Pac-12. Let me run down some stats for you here. 3-2 wins for Stanford over Penn State, Illinois, and Colorado. 3-2 wins for Washington over Gonzaga, BYU, Wisconsin, Cal, and UCLA. Nine three zero sweeps for Stanford. 13 zero sweeps for Washington. Washington has swept three of their last four opponents. Stanford has won five of their last six in four sets. Who's the better undefeated team here? Oh, that is a great question that they're going to decide on the court in a couple of weeks. One thing's for sure, I think both of them are going to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, they're going to win right now and say that. So, <laughs> the, you know, my personal preference, I I really like Stanford and what they've done just the multiple options that they have on offense. I would lean towards them them if I had to pick who's going to win that match coming up in a couple weeks, but that's going to be one heck of a match. (laughs) Brandon, do you have an opinion on this? They're going to meet actually November 26th. Myself and Al Skates will do the match at Washington, the one meeting between these two teams this year. Maybe they both make it undefeated. Maybe they don't, but who's better here, and, and maybe who stands a better chance of going undefeated? Well, I'll say this. Vinny should be called Captain Obvious for that last statement about uh, both teams making the NCAA. Uh, Stanford's a better team, and uh, they just have too many options. And, again, I think that they will show it. I don't Where is the match at again? It's at Washington. Okay. Uh, Stanford wins in four. I'm, I'm calling it now. It's crazy to think that two teams from one conference uh, are only going to play, you know, and it's just ironic that they played, they're both undefeated this year, and they're only going to play each other once. And not just once, but how late in the season they're playing. That's wild to think about. I mean, that's literally the week before the NCAA tournament, you know, field comes out. So, uh, pretty crazy. But, yes, Vinny is right. They're both going to make the tournament. Good job, Vinny. I do what I can know, but, you know, one thing I think that can't be overlooked also when talking about these teams is you have to remember they're undefeated, but they're doing it in arguably the best conference in college volleyball right now. It's absolutely outstanding what these teams are able to do week in, week out, picking up victories against ranked teams. Yeah, that match will actually be the last match for Stanford in conference play. They will play Cal on Friday the 28th to close their season. Go ahead, Rosen. No, I just was going to say, I mean, the pressure that builds every week, I mean, we just we ended our little conference uh, undefeated streak just the other day, and every time we went out, I mean, you could feel it. Uh, we do everything we can to 
you know, try to relax the girls and whatnot, but, I mean, it's there. It's real. So uh, I have a hard time really kind of grasping having an a undefeated season, you know, where you're talking about 20 and 21 matches uh, on top of the fact that, you know, you're playing in, like you said, one of the best conferences in the country. So it's uh, – I don't sleep very well, you know, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, you know, the only day I sleep well is on Saturday night after we, you know, played and we got Sunday off. So I can only imagine what their coaches uh, are going through right now. Well, Brandon, if you'd stop hurting players, things might go better for you. You're already down two ACLs, mono, and some other issues with folks that are missing matches. you got to figure out a way to solve the ACL problem. Thanks, brother. I appreciate your support. <laughs> hey, we'd be remiss if we didn't give Florida State their due. They are 21-0, 9-0 in their conference. They have tied their longest winning streak in the history of the program from back in 1981. They had a 3-1 victory over Wake Forest. Now, Vinny, before I get your opinion on Florida State here, their three two wins are against Florida, Marquette, American University, Auburn, Miami, and Pittsburgh. So you're looking at six three two victories, including three in a row early in the year, those Florida Marquette American wins. They have nine three zero sweeps. They get NC State and Clemson coming up this week. How much longer does this run continue for Florida State? You know, I think it's going to continue a little bit longer, but you know, as Brandon pointed out, you know, it's so hard to go undefeated in conference play or even go undefeated throughout an entire season, just the pressure that mounts and everything. So, you know, for me, I think it's going to go a little bit longer, but, you know, the ACC has proved that they're a rising volleyball power. Yeah, the ACC definitely, definitely rising. Uh, Guys, we had a few other matches around the world that mattered. Just a couple. There's a couple of other things that have happened around here that have made some sort of difference. Stanford and UCLA was one, obviously, that Stanford won. But UCLA is an interesting team, Vinny. Yeah, UCLA, without doubt, is an interesting team. And you talk about Lowe and the job that she's done. In that loss to Stanford, she had 26 kills. She's leading the nation right now entering the weekend. She was averaging more than six kills per game. And you have to start wondering now with her, she was on no one's radar at the beginning of the year for this award, but you kind of have to start thinking she's a viable contender for National Player of the Year with the way that she's been playing. How far does her team have to get into the tournament for that to actually perhaps come to fruition? And, and, and that's that, and that's a great question. And so, you know, it's always interesting when we talk about National Player of the Year awards and everything. I think everyone tends to have a different interpretation of it. Some people will vote for the best player on the best team. Others will vote for the player with the most outstanding performance. Or some will vote for the best player on the most surprising team. And I think we kind of see that every year. So that's a good question. And, you know, my guess would be at least Sweet 16. That'd be my guess for that. It's just a straight... Must make the Sweet 16. All right. How about some Big Ten stuff? Purdue taking on Illinois this past week. Yeah, and, talk, yeah, and I, I was able to... Oh, oh sorry, sorry, Brandon. I'll let, let you. Sorry about that. No, I mean, I was just going to say it's, it's really interesting because Illinois is that team that we weren't really sure about, uh, you know, three, four weeks ago. And now you look at the record and, uh, you know, they're eight and two in the big, you know, the big 10, 16 and five overall. I mean, it's, this is a team that's not only won, but beat really good, you know, big 10 teams. And so uh, you've got to give it to Hambly for really kind of staying the course and, you know, uh, Purdue's one of those teams that, uh, you know, that's not an easy win. And so uh, I was very impressed with that. 
Yeah, and Brandon, looking at that match, what stood out for me was Illinois' blocking. They had 20 blocks in that, and then just the mental toughness of Illinois in that fourth game. They're up by almost double digits playing the game. Purdue goes on a 12-2 run to get a game point, and then Illinois comes back, fights off the game point, and then wins in overtime. That's just great mental toughness when you're on the verge of a near collapse and able to bounce back. Yeah, you talk about Big Ten, you've got to talk about Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin at home takes care of Nebraska in three sets. Pretty impressive stuff. And then, you know, uh, to follow that up, now they've got Purdue this uh, week at Purdue. That's going to be the match right there. I mean, uh, Purdue's, we've already talked about it on this show, Purdue's environment is one of a kind. There's no doubt the place will be packed out. But Sheffield doing it again and – the guy can coach. Wisconsin actually on the cover of the most recent volleyball magazine talking about uh, new young players who are talented. I believe it's Carlini on the cover of that one. It's downstairs. I was reading it yesterday. Uh, all right, what else are we missing here, Vinny? What other matches haven't we covered? Uh, you want to talk about Texas-Oklahoma and how that went down? We kind of gave Eric Sullivan a hard time about it. But really, Texas lost some big pieces last year and, and have continued to hold their level. Yeah, and, you know, Texas is playing great, and you kind of look at that match, you know, all the stats would indicate that Texas should win it, but um, as Sullivan kind of pointed out on your show earlier, it comes down to the on-force errors. They know that. I don't, you know, the chances of them having 14 service errors in a match again, probably going to be unlikely, so that team's rolling there doing good. But, you know, once again, it just shows the depth in these conferences. I know everyone a couple weeks ago was talking about Texas running the table in the Big Ten in the Big 12 and how that was going to happen, saying like it was almost a foregone conclusion. No, it's not the case. These are good conferences, and we're seeing that that throughout, not only in the Big 10, but in the Pac-12. We're seeing it in the Big 10 and the ACC. New poll just out. Texas takes a bit of a beating for that loss to Oklahoma. Surprising to me, given the stats and the stuff you just talked about when we talked about with Sully earlier. Stanford remains at number 159 of the 61st place votes. The only other vote goes to Washington. They come in at second from three, and then Florida State moves up to three from four. Wisconsin up one, and Texas down all the way from two to five. Then it's Penn State, Colorado State, Florida, North Carolina, Illinois, your top ten, followed by BYU. There's the WCC coming in close to the top ten. Oregon, Purdue, Nebraska, Arizona, UCLA, Ohio State, Kentucky, Arizona State, and USC, your top 20. Uh, dropping out was Minnesota. They were at 25. So, uh, Brandon Rosenthal, what else are we missing here on recapping last week? No, I think, you know, we talked about it last week, the uh, Marquette-Creighton match. And uh, was, as expected, that was a really good match. Um, you know, <clears throat> Creighton got it done. Uh, again, that was at Creighton. Creighton wins in four. Uh, these are two teams that are going to mess up somebody's bracket, I promise you, you know, come uh, tournament time. Uh, you know, the SEC right now, Kentucky took a hit this past week. Uh, they didn't drop as much as I thought they would have in the poll. Uh, you know, they lost to LSU and they lost to A&M. Uh, but it was kind of one of those weeks where everybody else lost. A&M lost. Um, <clears throat> but Florida is still holding strong. Kind of interesting just like Washington and uh, Stanford, Kentucky will only play Florida once, and uh, so 
kind of uh, the best two teams in that conference as well, only getting one chance. And not only that, again, we'll only play very late in the season. All right, gentlemen, let's look forward to this next week. We already heard about Wisconsin versus Purdue. What else? Vinny? Um, for for me, one match that I'm going to really be keeping an eye on is going to be on Halloween night. That's going to be Texas A&M and Alabama will stick in, stick in the SEC. And one of the big reasons why I'm really intrigued for this match is because Alabama right now is sitting at about number 35 in the RPI if they're going to fight for an at-large bid. And you look at it, I think that this is a game that Alabama – may need to have to try to get a signature victory if they're going to make a case for an at-large bid. Rose? Yeah, I think for me it's Illinois. I want to see what Illinois can do. They've got to go on the road to Michigan State and Michigan. Uh, Not a Michigan State and Michigan of the years past, but still a tough trip. And it could be one of those, you know, trap matches. So uh, I wouldn't look past either one of these, you know, teams, Michigan State or Michigan, but you know, this is going to be the test. Can Illinois get it done on the road coming up here? Right. And then no, obviously, and- like I said, Wisconsin and Purdue. I like that, Wisconsin Purdue. All right, guys, before we let you go, I want to ask you about this RPI. I was sitting on a conference call with the NCAA just before this program. They were discussing the fact that they, they feel they are not, not, very adamant, not using RPI as the sole determiner of who's making the tournament. <laughs> Yet that perception is out there with the coaches. Maybe you guys have some history. I was trying to look it up quickly, the history of the selection and the RPI rankings. Uh, any any thoughts on that, Vinny? You know, my big thing, one, we have these discussions about that they're using all these different metrics. What I'd love for the NCAA to do is start being transparent and showing these metrics. So if you have strength of schedule, that's a metric you use. Obviously, there's some rankings that you're using for it. Just publish those rankings on the website. Right now, the only rankings on the NCAA website right now are the ABCA coaches poll and the RPI. And conference committees have multiple variety of metrics. And if you release those metrics, it's going to give the public a better understanding of what the committee's looking at. And um, similarly, we had this same discussion last or in the spring with the college men's volleyball and the at-large controversy between Pepperdine and Lewis. They didn't release all their data that they were looking at, so there was that mass confusion. They're now going to start doing it this year. And I'd love to see the NCAA women's volleyball team, if you have all this data on strength of schedule and how you're using it, that's great. Make it public. It's really easy to post something online. I'll drive to Indianapolis and show them how to do it if they're confused. <laughs> a volunteer offer from Vinny Lopes. Uh, Brandon Rosenthal, they, they say that for the at-larges, the 32 that they have, it's win-loss record, RPI, conference RPI, el- eligibility and availability of athletes for conference play. Uh, they also list head-to-head competition and results versus common opponents. Uh, how, how do you feel from the coaching side about the way the RPI is used? Listen, they can say all they want. You look at the past five or six years, it's pretty much straight RPI. Uh, and, and and if it's not, then the RPI is the best indicator ever uh, for determining the tournament field because, you know, outside of just one or two places, it's, you know, 31, 32, 33, 34. And as a coach, I mean, we all understand that. I mean, we're working as hard as we can. You know, last week we were in the 40s. 
you know, or at 40, we're doing everything we can to get into the 30s because we understand and the history has showed uh, that it's all about those teams in that 30 range. And so it's hard to argue with the history of it. I agree with Vinny, but I've said this so many times, we need more polls. Here's one interesting fact. We do regional rankings uh, every two weeks, uh, and those regional rankings are not public information. So uh, the information that Vinny is talking about is there. We're already doing it. That information goes to the NCAA, and the NCAA looks at that uh, from basically beginning of October on. Uh, So I've never really understood it, why that information is not available, but it is there. And, you know, one thing I would also point out as well is that, I mean, not only are teams focusing on how they're going to do their RPI, but conferences are now teaming together and figuring out a way to get the most teams they can in the NCAA tournament. great example for this was in the 2011 um, NCAA tournament, the MAC had four or five teams in. That's because all the coaches in their conference meeting before that season sat down and they said, okay, these are the projected bottom four teams. You're going to play teams in this RPI range. These are the mid-level teams. You're going to play teams in this projected RPI range. Here's the top teams. You're going to go on out and play all the juggernauts. And they were able to not necessarily rig, but they mathematically figured out their RPI as a conference, so it boosted everyone up. They went straight money ball. They say when it comes to the brackets, you know, they see the top 16. They avoid first and round, first and second round conference matchups. Everything else then is inside of 400 miles for the first and second round. And whatever that calculation is that produces the fewest number of flights. Now, what maybe I didn't remember or didn't previously know, but continues to amaze me, is that the women's basketball field is seated 1 to 64, but women's volleyball is not. Why the difference here? Why is it you can seed basketball, but you can't seed the volleyball? It seems to be a very similar sport from a standpoint of revenue or lack thereof? It's actually, it's actually very different because the amount of money that uh, they're dumping into it, uh, there's some pretty staggering figures where the loss that they're taking on women's basketball is quite a bit different than the loss that they're taking on women's volleyball. So there's more money because yeah. they're investing more money. So, uh, you know, the numbers are very skewed. Yeah, yeah, the numbers are skewed, and I would bring up this point as well when we talk about women's basketball, and Brandon, you're in Nashville as well. The NCAA Final Four for women's basketball was held here in Nashville in March. You couldn't tell that with, with this city. I mean, it wasn't an exciting event. I mean, you just talk about the Final Four. You go to a Final Four city for women's volleyball, whether it was Louisville or Seattle, there's a great vibe. You can tell that there's a big volleyball event going on here. This spring when the NCAA women's basketball tournament was here, you might have known it if you saw it on the 10 o'clock news. That was it. So, yeah, you know, personally for me, there's not that level of excitement I think that there is for women's basketball as there is for women's volleyball. But, I mean, let's also keep this in mind when having this discussion. It's also a large amount of perception. And right now men's basketball is more popular than men's volleyball in this nation. And as a result, that helps props up the female sports. Yeah, you think that You'd think that eventually the women's community would get behind the men's community when it comes to volleyball to realize that the success of both is beneficial to both. And I, I have not necessarily heard that opinion from some coaches that have been in this game a very long time. 
and have not seen that sort of effort to increase the men's side of the sport because undoubtedly women's basketball does do better in a variety of ways because of the popularity of the men's side of the game. Uh, guys, I want some numbers on that. I, w- I want to try and find, and Vinny, maybe this exists somewhere. Maybe you can point me in the right direction. I want to see the RPI compared to the tournament berth the last few years. I want to see. Ooh, that would be. The NCAA is going to say that. Well, let's see what the numbers actually say. What were the RPI rankings, and how did that jive with the actual tournament selection? Uh, that would be very interesting. And I also do, speaking about NCAA tournament, I do want to throw out one stat that I was able to find really quickly um, because Jeremy brought it up. A trip for me from Nashville to Oklahoma City on Uber is going to cost me between 750 to $900, according to their fair That's not bad, actually. Yeah. Jeremy, are you listening to that? I just heard my name. Seven hundred and fifty to nine hundred dollars on Uber from Nashville to Oklahoma City. That's cheaper than I would have expected. That's almost <laughs> the price of a regular airfare. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, so we'll hey, you don't have to drive one bit. You just sit back yeah. and relax. Exactly. And, and that, I'm going to assume that's one way though, so Okay, so fourteen hundred dollars for a trip. Uh, I wonder if you get rest stops included. I wonder what uh is that direct? Are they going to drive all night for you? I, I don't understand. All right, you guys should be sponsored by Uber now. <laughs> hey, gentlemen, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Later. guys. All right, Vinny and Brandon checking out here on College Volleyball Weekly. Yeah, we're going to dig up some numbers on that. We're going to see. We're going to check Uber. No, the NCAA yeah. on that because they're very adamant about it, and I understand their defensiveness as it relates to that issue because uh, you do hear that from all the time. It's the RPI. It's the RPI that matters. That's all that matters. You can do all the other stuff you want, but your RPI better measure up or you're not getting in the tournament with an at-large bid. I don't. I wouldn't want to be on that committee. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think it's a tough committee. There's more coverage than there ever was, but you're left doing quite a bit of reading instead of watching, and even then, you got to do a lot of watching. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot to be done there for sure. I still I can't believe the popularity of women's volleyball and the the types of crowds and the entertainment and, and what's being done with the sport that they are not seeding one through 64 and given the money that the NCAA has and could allocate and does allocate for other things yeah. for other championships. I, I think it's disappointing and <clears throat> disingenuous to not seed one through 64 for the women's tournament. Gotcha. That needs to happen. I mean, we've talked about the potential difference in cost here before it can't, it can't, it would be a hundred grand, but I wonder what the reasoning for that is. I would be curious. Money, because it's too expensive to move some teams around the country. They're saving flights. That's what they. That's what. That's what they said. Quote. Quote. Fewest number of flights possible. After they seed one through sixteen, it is the fewest number of flights possible. Is it because women's volleyball isn't getting the numbers that women's basketball does on TV? I don't know what the TV ratings are. But I'm going to guess they're very similar. Okay. I would say they're probably very similar and that they're a blip on the radar or a blimp on the radar, if you prefer. <laughs> no, I I don't know. I would like someone to tell us, thenetlive at gmail.com. I'm happy to have someone tell me yeah. what the TV ratings look like or what the deciding factors are on why they're putting a bunch of money into the women's basketball tournament that they are not willing to put into the women's volleyball tournament. Yeah. It's not for lack of funds. NCAA has plenty of money 
with which to do this if they wished. Yeah. Why aren't they is the question. And it's not even a basketball versus volleyball thing. I'm perfectly happy to have them seed the basketball women's basketball tournament 1 through 64. Great. Yeah. Because I think that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. These teams have earned that. Mm-hmm. You've earned that opportunity through your season to be a higher-seeded team, not stuck in the same region all the time. State gets brought up time and time again in the opponents or lack of opponents that they face in some of the early rounds. How would that affect the national championships that they've won? Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it wouldn't. But every year we see upsets. Yeah. And the increased likelihood of an upset would be interesting to watch for Penn State because it is not their likelihood of a random upset like an Oklahoma over a Texas this past week. Yeah. Their likelihood of that type of thing happening to Penn State inside of the NCAA tournament has been drastically reduced because of the regional travel rule. Correct. Of no fault of their own. No. Yeah. No, and it's not to say anyone would have beaten them. We're just talking about odds. Yeah. They could have been beaten. The increased likelihood. Last year, I thought Utah had a shot. Utah. Penn State came up and smashed them. Smashed. Yeah. Smashed. Yeah. Done. Bye. Like 11-13. Goodbye. Take that, Utes. So, Penn State that year proved, no, it's no fluke. They come in. They they roll Utah, who was a good team. They beat everybody in the finals. Great job. I'm not saying Penn State would lose. Yeah. What I'm saying is the likelihood, the percentage chance of an unlikely upset would increase dramatically from what it has been for Penn State year in, year out. Correct. I'm with you on that. You're going to seed the field of 64 for the women in basketball. You've got to do it for the women in volleyball. Same level sport in my mind. Yeah. I don't want to hear about all the men's this and that. No, no. Take them as individual entities. They're basically the same deal. All right. Moving on. How many years, the plethora, how many years has this guy been merging international and national volleyball? Bring it promotions around since I'm going to go with 1996, maybe five. The patriarch can tell us what the actual number is, but... Nevertheless, nearly 20 years in the business of placing U.S. athletes in Europe and now giving experiences. Pac-12 All-Stars in China the last two years organized by his company and now bringing a Chinese professional club back the other direction. The return flight from China to the United States. They've been touring all throughout the United States playing a variety of teams. They won the Chinese championship last year. They're here in Texas with most of their players, because some of them just got back from World Championships where they finished second to the United States. Let's welcome in Tim Kelly. Tim. All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here once again. And uh, this is uh, this is very interesting to me. I really like this experience, not only for the Chinese athletes, who I don't know, but for the American athletes, the opportunity to face a professional-level club team and see kind of what the results are of a different type of system. Yeah, that's kind of half of what we're doing this for, I guess. I think you guys have been Texas Tech 3-2. You beat Wayland Baptist in NAIA School 3-0, TCU 3-0. What have you seen as far as the contrasting styles in these? 
Well, to be honest with you, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, I thought we had a little bit of a lag there. The Our, our schedule was a little tough in that these guys arrived um, around midnight, their first night in Lubbock, and we played Tech the very next night. Um, Tech had three starters out, um, so we weren't really sure what was going to happen. And this team, of course, is without three of their starters as well. And uh, it was not a great match for either party. Uh, anytime someone was scoring, it was more because the other team wasn't doing so well. So uh, it was really hard to you know, answer your question given that. Uh, Wayland Baptist, you know, we didn't know what to expect seeing in an NAI school, and they actually played pretty well. You know, they're smaller, and the Chinese were kind of starting to get their rhythm going, and, and they were a little bit used to being in the States, so they, we saw some, some glory there. And then uh, TCU had a couple of their starters out as well. So we really haven't been able to match up against a, a D1 team at full strength yet, and we're actually really looking forward to playing Texas now. I think the Chinese girls are peaking. They've been here for seven or eight nights, and no more jet lag. They're used to the food. They've been you know, able to train and, and uh, see some stuff, so they're really ready to go. Um, and I've I got to give a shout-out to Texas for what's going on right now. I'm up at the – I think it's called the President's Club on the eighth floor in the football stadium. And we're having lunch with the basketball team because they're going to China in the fall and wanted to kind of meet the girls and do some press. So we're here with CP, their female uh, AD and their head AD and all kinds of press. And, and the girls are just blown away by, by how they're, be, you know, they've been being treated so well the whole time, but now to be kind of climaxing here in this situation, it's just, it's been awesome. Yeah, boy, what a cool experience for those athletes. So what else have they been doing with their time here in the United States? You know, everyone's going to think I'm joking, but we go to outlet malls a lot. Uh, we do a lot of shopping. They, they train every day. Their season starts in, in uh, November on the 7th, actually, so it's a little bit crazy. They don't leave the States until the 3rd. You lose a day getting back, so they'll be home three days before their first league game. And the Chinese league is only about three and a half months long this year. So their coach has been forced to you know take this real seriously from a volleyball standpoint. And they're, they've trained almost every morning. Uh, for instance, today we had two and a half hours in the gym, and they play Texas tonight. So they're they're really you know training through the tour, and they're also pretty serious about getting a nap in every day, which is standard with Chinese teams we've learned over the years. So uh, you know we got to go to the stockyards in Dallas and had a great lunch at Cooper's there. Um, we've been trying to hang out with all the teams at least. You know we have one meal with the team whenever we play them. But to be honest, the, the highlight for these guys is getting to the outlet malls, and it's hysterical, but it's true. <laughs> That sounds very much like the Asian systems that I've remembered. Uh, you guys, you said you've had a pretty interesting experience here in in the opportunity to train in front of some junior kids and expose some junior kids to the international game. Boy, there there's a place where really there there isn't a lot of information available about how big this sport is worldwide. No, it's amazing. You know, one of the reasons we did that was that we were at TCU when they had a football game, and we they suggested we not try to get on campus to train. So we reached out to some of the local clubs. Uh, Ruth Nelson was incredibly helpful in hooking us up with Texas Image, and they invited us out. They got a wonderful facility. We trained there, and they had invited other clubs to come out and, uh, A, watch the practice and, and get to see it and be exposed to that. And then Ruth and Adriana Dollar and some of the other folks there asked me to talk to some of these groups. And so I had a little canned speech. I was going around telling them about, you know, the team, where, where, where uh, Zhejiang is from, that they're missing their national team players. And uh, I mentioned to some of them, you know, their girls couldn't make it because they were late for world championships. And, you know, no one seemed to really know where I was going with it. So I said, you know, they took second place in world championships. You guys know who they lost to, right? And it didn't matter if it was their parents, their coaches, or, or the girls I was talking to. Nobody had a clue. And even when I would kind of say, well, can you name a national team? And someone would go, USA? 
you know, maybe. And then, uh, yeah, it was USA. We won world championships for the first time ever, you know. And, and some of the groups I would ask if they could name the coach. Some of the groups I could ask if they could name a player. And, you know, we got into talking about playing pro a little bit or traveling internationally with your college team. And, yeah, it's like, whether they're the 13-year-olds or the 17-year-olds, in a lot of these regions, they don't know anything about pro. They don't know anything about, you know, uh, the national team. And it's just – we've talked about this before, that in, in our country, you know, if you're a basketball kid growing up, you know who Jordan is and Magic and you know who the Lakers are and, and whatnot. Uh, obviously different names now for the current generation. But in volleyball, it's just a different sport where we don't necessarily look up to our national teams or pro players, and a lot of us are so insulated we don't know about it. And it was it, – it's hit home before, but for some reason that day it was just shocking to me that I gave three or four of these little speeches and not a soul knew that our national team had won, uh, won world championships. And Dallas is a volleyball hotbed, you know. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, like I said, I thought that was intriguing. That's it. I quit. I'm sick of the sport. <laughs> uh, I, I've had exactly this experience before. I arrived for a JV8 tournament in Houston – or at tournament, and I got in an elevator with about 10 kids, and I asked them to name a national team athlete. Not one. Not one. And these are to presumably presumably been playing the sport for years and years. There just isn't that same sort of aspirational stuff going on because I there's information out there now. They have a thing called the internet. You don't have to wait for Volleyball Magazine to, you know, a Volleyball Monthly of old be three or four months behind. It's uh, There's instant information available. These young women just are not consuming for some reason. I don't know how you change that other than maybe a barnstorming tour like you're doing now, TK. Maybe you need to schedule about 15 of these things per year. Did we lose them? I don't know. Apparently not. I blame Blog Talk. Huh. Is he calling you right now on your phone? No, somebody else. Huh. TK calls back. That sucks. Good stuff, though, that he's bringing those those athletes over here. I think that's a, a tremendous experience for both sides. Absolutely. For the Chinese side to come over here and, and really neat for them to see, you know, the stories they're going to tell about being down there at Texas. Oh, my goodness. To really be a part of a, a huge collegiate athletics program and see the facilities and stuff has got to be amazing. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm amazed. <laughs> when I go to those big schools, what they have there and the, the facilities and the way that they're training athletes and putting money behind athletics is for sure amazing to me. All right, TK, you're back. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. I- oh, that was quick. Just kidding. <laughs> yep, he's gone again. <laughs> <laughs> That's him. That's us. I'm going to blame him on Doggone <laughs> oh, it. Uh, you know, he's... Tim's been placing people for a long time in, in different places. Actually, my first contract in Belgium, uh, orchestrated by Tim, and uh, and some other stuff later on. He's had a lot of different players over there. He's putting people in some places they've never been before. He actually have, has seven American women playing in the Philippines Superior League this year. And I saw some stuff with Dave McKenzie. I was wondering where he was because I saw some stuff on Facebook, and it turns out he is over there. Mm-hmm. The only guy in the in the men's league. It's a two month league running from October to November. That's a sweet deal right there. Go for two months. That's what I'd want to do. I'm in. All right, is he back? He was, and he dropped out. Let's try again. <laughs> huh. TK, can you hear me? Oh yeah, my I, goodness! Yeah, I was able to hear you for most of that, but I guess you couldn't hear me. I don't know what's going on. Very weird. Very weird. Okay, so you, you've been placing people now into the Philippines. This is something you couldn't have thought of 14, 10 years ago. 
No, I wouldn't have foreseen it two years ago. I'm I'm still pretty surprised. They're they're really it's into it. it down there. They got a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, is this part of the global kind of resurgence of volleyball? Because I came along at a time, as did Eric Sullivan, who we had on here earlier, who you played with in college. It was kind of like the the ten dark years. It was almost like the Japanese economy of the nineties. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I don't know, but I, I certainly wish that a lot of these fun places had leagues for us. So that would have been great. Some of these short seasons, swoop in, make ten grand for a couple weeks or a couple months, and uh, really get to see the world instead of just Central Europe. It, it would have been great. How much are these teams after American players? Do you still see a really vibrant market for the American player and and the style of play of an American? Yeah, you know, one of the things that was true when you were playing and is is equally true now is that our federation continues to be the easiest to get a player out of. We have have low fees. Uh, You know, working with Carla over there, you can get a transfer done in five minutes if there's an urgent thing. She'll really bend, bend over backwards to help a team get a transfer done. And so many other countries. Oh, Jesus, is bothering me now. He's gone. Oh, yeah, gone, gone. All right, TK. Uh, good stuff from Tim Kelly. If you catch their uh, national team from Zhejiang, they will be playing in Texas the next two nights. They're in Austin. You want to check that out. They will also be able to watch the Washington at USC match coming up. So an opportunity for them to see some of the other top-level stuff that's happening here in the United States. And uh, that junior stuff, no no less disappointing, but certainly not surprising to me, uh, given given what I have experienced in our talks with juniors coaches about what these kids are not, <laughs> not are, but are not consuming when it comes to their own sport. All right. Good job today, Kevin. Uh, thanks. Oh, one other thing here with Uh-oh. the easiest quote. All right, yeah, Tim, we keep dropping you. I don't know what's going on. The the quote here from Tim Kelly. Remember this one, because this kind of goes with things before. There's all this information out there about how USAV sucks, right? It's less than years before. Deservedly so. They earned it in, in the, the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah, they earned it, yeah. and before that, perhaps. But in my mind, that era sucked. USAV, easiest to get a transfer out of. Mm-hmm. Can be done in a couple of days. Remember this, people. When you're complaining and whining about USAV and getting your transfer and the fees associated with it. Just think about the other stuff that's out there. Doing quite well. And I'm not saying don't fight for stuff. I'm saying don't carry it with you later. I'm all for fighting for what you want in a situation. Yeah. I'm with you. We all know Don't that. carry it for another 10 years. Mm-hmm. Don't carry it for another five. Don't carry it for another three. Let it go. Have a little perspective on how things go for you versus the rest of the world. Correct. Federations, and I, I heard this through the years. Tim would be probably an authority on this. I've seen federations that take 50% or more of some contracts. Yeah. Years ago. Yep. That would be obscene. What USAV is doing, yeah, there's a fee. Go ahead and arbitrate it. I like it. Get after it. Then move on and sign your next contract. And remember that you're living in probably the best system going. Period. If you win more, you'll make more money, and you'll write bigger checks, and it'll just be that way. We'll continue to try and get some information on that RPI stuff, very interesting stuff from Vinny and from Brandon. We are also working on our guests for next week. I think it's going to come through. Awesome. I think it's going to happen. Awesome. We'll continue to try and bring you some coverage here in the dog days 
for volleyball because really here, uh, Jeremy, beach is over now. Yep. Beach is over. Indoor national team is over. Professional season's happening. Matt Anderson's still playing well. Max Holt as well in uh, in Russia. But that's kind of far away, and that's really just middle regular season. Kind Correct. of like the women's collegiate stuff right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too far from the beginning to remember, not close enough to the end to see it. We'll get more exciting as we get closer to Oklahoma City. Then we'll have a couple weeks off for the holidays. Then we come January. I might just take like four weeks off this year. I might just shut the show down for a month. It's fine. Come back, reconfigure. Come back. No one will know we're here. Yeah, we'll redo the whole the whole look of the show. <laughs> you mean the intro? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, if you want to drop us a line, then at live at gmail.com. You want to support our sponsors, go to 68clothing.com and check them out. Get yourself a subscription to Volleyball Magazine. Keep yourself informed about this sport. You love the sport. Show it with your pocketbook. That's what matters, people. Go out and buy some stuff and associate it with our program. Associate it with the sponsors from this show. 68clothingcompany.com is where you want to go. Pick up some stuff. If you know somebody who's 6'3 or above, and of a lean, muscular, handsome build, they could benefit from the 6'8 clothing, no doubt. Do they have to be handsome? Yes. It helps. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But handsome is a uh, relative term, a subjective term. True. So in the eye of the beholder, if you will. Yes. If you know someone handsome, put them in some plaid, baby. Put them in some plaid. All right. Thanks, Derek Sullivan, for calling in. Thanks to Vinny Lopes and Brandon Rosenthal, as well as Tim Kelly for being a part of the show today. And thanks to you, the listener. We'll see you again on the net live only the top four teams make it to the championship round but who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the ncaa women's volleyball championship be there up close to take in all the exciting action right back at it. and the best way to see it is to experience it live be a big at the 2014 ncaa women's volleyball championship december 18th and 20th at chesapeake energy arena in oklahoma city affordable tickets available go online at ncaa.com volleyball and reserve your seats today
getting caught. 